Welcome to Red Rank Podcast, home of the smoothest voice on Twitch. I'm your host, The Crow Show. I'm very proud to announce my first ever guest on Red Rank Podcast, Elix. For anyone living under a rock, Elix is a drag Twitch streamer, TikToker, YouTuber, and Twitter all-star. We had a lovely chat where we talked about social media. We also talked about Dead by Daylight, of course, and games Elix played growing up. We also talked about classic horror films from the 80s and 90s, and how that was appealing to Elix when she was looking for a game to play and found Dead by Daylight. We also took a deep dive into Elix's personal life, including her coming out story. It's a lovely conversation, and I'd appreciate it if you give us a listen. Friendly reminder, you can find Red Rank Podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, and Google Podcasts, among others. And where you can, please leave a rating and review. Now, let's get on to the conversation with Elix. So I'm very, very proud to announce my first person I'm interviewing on Red Rank Podcast, and that's Elix, a Twitch and Dead by Daylight partner. Their pronouns are they, them, she, her. And I believe you you worked prior to switching to full-time content creation. You were you were in the HR department at Tesla. Is that I right? Did, yes. And by the way, hi everyone. I'm Elix. Um Crow pretty much got my introduction. Uh before even streaming, I started streaming in October of two thousand no, November of 2017. But yes, uh, my career is in human resources. Uh, I have about 10 years in experience. I worked at Tesla for the last three years, uh, which was a lot of fun, where I really um, went into employee relations, which consists of investigations um, to support uh, the talent within the company and also um, see if people are still a fit for the company or if they're not. Uh, another thing is I had my, uh, I was also knee, knee dip deep in immigration. So okay. for those of you who don't know, when you, when you do get a job, you do need to provide, uh, proof that you work for the United States in per, that you can work in the United States, uh, in person. And so I also worked with the immigration team in that. And it sounds boring, but I made it fun. Oh, I bet. <laughs> was there a, a light bulb moment when you decided to go full-time content creation and, and leave your HR career? So absolutely. I went originally into HR. Gosh, I was 25 and I don't have a degree in anything. I worked at a thrift store at a Goodwill that I used to walk to and it took me four hours just to get there because there were no buses that would go there. Uh, And I did that for a couple of years and an opportunity opened up. And so I got the job and from there my career started, but it was not something that was my passion. It was something I jumped into because it was out of survival. And I'm like, oh, I got this gig. Let's see where it takes us. And so fast forward to, oh gosh, fast forward to December because I quit in December. It wasn't, it wasn't um, like an aha or light bulb moment. Mm-hmm. I knew I did not love what I did. I was exceptional at it, but I thought, now let's go back in time to 2017 when I started. I yeah, mean, I yeah. started. I started to have, you know, to have fun. I never saw it as a business. I wanted to make people laugh. I wanted to see if I could show people some, you know, 
some tips and tricks on how to be better at that by daylight. And then it just blew up into something else. We're having mm-hmm. an amazing community. And so probably a year or two into streaming, I really said, you know what, if this really takes off, I want to quit my job and do this full time. Mm-hmm. And so fast forward to the third year into streaming. And that's when I started to, you know, really see a good revenue off of uh, Twitch mm-hmm. and, uh, and work started to get really stressful, like extremely stressful. And I'm like, I really, if I was like in my mid twenties, early twenties, I'd stay here and I'd really grind it out. Cause again, I had a really good position at Tesla. I made mm-hmm. very good money, but then I started to see good income from Twitch and I started to see it as a business. And I said, you know what, let's go ahead and quit. So I quit in December of 2020 and uh, here we are, and we've been snowballing ever since. Like, I'm honestly oh, yeah. really shook. I would have never expected to be where I'm at now. Um, but I did not start seeing the growth until I became partner um, mm-hmm. March of last year. Oh, wow. But yeah, that was kind of like my aha moment. Like, hey, I can make this thing work. And then I started, you know, really expanding into TikTok and TikTok really helped me grow and i've recently um oh by the way my tiktok is elix ttv all one word and then recently about almost two months ago exact we launched our youtube channel which is it's getting some traction and momentum so i'm super excited about that and so now we have you know revenue coming from every social media platform and i'm I'm super excited for that because this is what I love to do. And just oh, yeah. really taking the risk and doing this was like my aha moment. I can do this full time. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I was going to pick your brain about that a little bit with social media and the various platforms. I know that you had a really big moment with your uh, Overwatch moment. Do you want to talk about that and how, oh, how things yeah. changed after that? How did I leave that out? Yes. So, um, <laughs> Uh, my sister, who also streams Angel XOXO, she was posting clips of Overwatch. And I said, you know what? Let me try doing this. Uh, and so I posted a clip where I'm dodging Ash's bullets in Overwatch. But I'm also physically, like you see me physically on cam, dodging those bullets. And so I posted the clip on Twitter and it went to over a million views. That's um, crazy. Kind of, it was insane. <laughs> I, had, I had never witnessed that type of exposure. Yeah. And then fast forward to when I started TikTok about a year and a half after that clip came out. And I posted my, um, my ice. I was, I had, was sucking on a popsicle. The, mm-hmm. the match had just started in Dead by Daylight. And so I was just suck, sucking on the popsicle. I was doing a gen and I noticed Wraith come to, near me. So I just grip the popsicle with my mouth and I start screaming. So it's a muffled scream. The mm-hmm. Wraith is coming for me. I'm trying to loop them. I'm pallet, pallet stunning them. And so that clip got to 3.2 million views. Wow. And it really, really launched my, uh, my my TikTok my TikTok presence mm-hmm. uh, because literally in two weeks we had a hundred thousand followers and again I was not just I was not used to that type of exposure and I'm That's hoping amazing. I get that same luck with YouTube soon. <laughs> oh yeah, I think you're on your way. That's what I was going to ask. Is like over the last two or three years, how have you adapted to con- to change with the the way social media is constantly changing, including like Twitter, TikToks, uh, YouTube, etc. 
Um, trying to adapt to, yeah, because it's everything changes so quickly. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I follow people uh, and try to build relationships with them. Like Gotsudarva, um, a lot of people that have a, a, a big presence and not even big presence. There's people like, oh, what's his name? I was just watching last night, Skirms. Skirms started his TikTok and he blew up on TikTok. Um, and I just like watching people's activity and see how that inspires me. Uh, And how I can inject that into the ever-changing, you know, world of social media platforms so I could really, you know, tap into that algorithm and explode Mm -hmm. again in a new social media platform. So it's really just, you know, seeing people's content and what they're doing differently than me or what I can do differently than everyone else. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Uh, I I think that... Uh, the stream queens play a little bit of a part as well in like in terms of the way you collaborate with uh, with your fellow content creators on stream queens. Do you, do you want to talk about like the origin story? Because the they're founded by Deer, right? Correct. Yes. Um, so I I met Deer Twitch kind of 2018. None of us were partner yet, and then uh, I want to see a year after that she became a partner and she's she reached out to me and she's like, Hey, you know, I'm creating stream Queens and she was just super excited about it. And so she created it and we just, we all joined and I'm like, you know, that's, that's, that's amazing because you're going to be able to really create a home and inclusive uh, team for all type of art within drag. It's just not drag Queens. It's uh, drag Kings, monarchs, creatures, everything in between. Um, Mm -hmm. so much creativity and inspiration. Um, but yeah, that was the origin. She became partner. She created the team and we were all just super excited to join. And now there's literally you, (laughs) it's so funny because when I used to play dead by daylight, it was literally just me, a drag queen playing dead by daylight. Um, mostly deer has been playing dead by daylight a lot longer than I have, but most of the time, at least when I started watching deer, she was playing a lot of, you know, underground cute horror games, loved them to death. Okay. Um, but, but like now you open the dead by daylight and literally it's all drag Queens. I love it. I feel, I kind of feel like I created a blueprint. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, totally. I, I've actually played against Deer once, and I didn't know it was Deer at the time. I was being kind of toxic, but she did Stop. She did down me and kill me, and I apologized <laughs> after, the, <laughs> after the round. I was, I was so embarrassed, but it was fun. <laughs> and I Deer love was that. an absolute sweetheart, even though I was, like, teabagging and every palette and just oh no because i feel like i did that to you remember yeah but it was a keyboard malfunction i think um that's right clarity in regards to what happened we all it was it was the keyboard (laughs) yeah and then the vod's gone so we can't confirm that but we will take you at your word (laughs) the vod's gone i thought you didn't get posted tiktok i love oh i did yeah no i was just joking because the the joke was like you know delete the vod (laughs) yeah forever immortalized yeah so shows tiktok (laughs) so i'm over two versus the stream queens so far so that's uh that's pretty fun yeah um i wanted to change gears a little bit and talk a little bit more about you like in your personal side um anybody listening uh might i think a lot of people listening probably fall under the lgbtqia2s plus community i was wondering if you'd be comfortable talking about your coming out story and what that experience was like. So that's a two-parter because, okay, okay, 
Here we go. So I have an identical twin brother. We've both known we were very, very different uh, mm-hmm. since since we can remember. We didn't know that it was that it was it was within the LGBTQI2S plus spectrum until probably when we were nine or ten because people started, you know, calling us names and we did not speak English at the time. So we didn't know what those names meant. And then once okay. we learned, it's like, you know what, maybe we are those things. Mm-hmm. Um so um, I was turning, I believe I was 16 or 17. I want to say 17. No, 16. And I had my date, my date, Sam, like, okay, I'm going to tell my mom on Saturday that at the time, you know, that, that I'm gay. I'm going to come out to her. I'm ready. But she was gone most of the day because she was running errands or whatever. And at the time, my brother also did not live with us, my twin brother. Um, mm-hmm. He had left to Oregon and hadn't really told anyone. And so my mom was stressed out and she was looking for him unbeknownst to me at the time. And that's why she, that was one of her errands, trying to figure out where my brother was. And so at the time he was working at Disneyland and he worked at this restaurant. So um, I think it was the Blue Bayou, I can't remember. But she went to the restaurant to, you know, just ask the manager, hey, you know, my son... Uh, I don't know where he is. Do you know where he is? And so then the manager uh, told my mother, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, um, he's, I believe he's with their partner. He's in Oregon. And also, I just want to say to you that I am so proud of you for being such an accepting mother. You're just oh, wow. such a support for your son, um, for being who he is. Now, keep mm-hmm. in mind, we grew up in an extremely Catholic very like Irish Catholic household, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, a lot of machismo. Uh, and so my mom had no idea that yeah. we were, you know, LGBTQI2S plus. And so when my mom found out, she just started crying and she drove back home and I saw her come home and I'm like, okay, I'm ready to come out. And mm-hmm. she literally had a complete mental breakdown, complete oh, wow. mental breakdown. She was screaming. She was crying. Mm-hmm. Anything you name it, she had to be sedated. Oh, and wow. so I, I felt really sad because I didn't have the yeah. confidence at the time to be who I was. So when she's crying and I'm trying to console her, she looks at me and she's like, please tell me that you're not. Please tell me that you're not. I want grandchildren, mm-hmm. this and that. And I look her in the face and I say, in my biggest, straightest voice, I lie to her and I say, no, I'm I'm not. I'm straight. Mm-hmm. I want a woman in my life and I want to have children. And okay. So- <laughs> wow. <laughs> Now, fast forward to, I believe I was 21, 21 or 22. Uh, We were on the freeway. Uh, She was driving. And I don't know, it just, it was very random. It wasn't even planned. I'm like, I feel really comfortable right now. Um, We're in a good spot, my mom and I. Um, I'm just going to tell her that, you know, I'm gay. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I told her, hey, you know, I'm I'm gay. And she's kind of like said, yeah, I knew. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, well, I wish you had told me that earlier because I was really stressed after the trauma that you gave me when oh, you yeah. came home with a huge, huge, huge uh, mental breakdown. Now, yeah. fast forward to coming out as non-binary, mm-hmm. which was very, very recent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've always, I first I thought I was gender fluid. I thought I was, you know, everything. Right. But then I was like, I really don't believe in structures. I don't want, I I don't want who I am to go in a box or to align with this person identifies as male. They have to dress this way, behave this way or female, or they behave this way, so on and so forth. And so I said, then maybe I'm non-binary because I just don't want to submit to something with that structure. Like, 
Um, if I want to wear what I want to wear, whatever. If I'm, I'm a very, very, very feminine person. I've always embraced my, um, what's the word, effeminacy. Right. Um, loved it, even though I was when I was, you know, just growing up since I was a kid, I didn't even know I was different and I was feminine. I didn't know what being feminine was, but it was always instilled in me, and I was always told by everyone who I loved with all my heart you know, that it was wrong and I was made to feel shame. So coming mm-hmm. out as a non, as non-binary was more of a fuck you to everyone who made me feel that I should behave a certain way. I am who I am. It doesn't align with the existing definitions or behaviors of the way people need to be. This is who I am and I love myself and I have gone through too much pain, um, mental and physical to be where I'm at and be who I am that this is, I now embrace it and I'm proud to say I'm non-binary and my pronouns are they, them, or she, her. That's amazing. That that makes me really happy to hear your story because, uh, you know, I, I mentioned to you recently, you know, I, I recently came out as bisexual myself. I love and, that. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I'm 43 years old and it's something I just realized in recent months. And uh, after I kind of announced it publicly, I had multiple people approach me just in private saying, hey, you know, I think I might be gay. I might be bisexual. I might be this. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I'm not sure if I can tell my parents. And I, I don't know if my best friend will still love me. And I'm like, you know what? There will come a time when you feel ready to talk about it. And mm-hmm. you don't really need to define yourself right now. Just find your own path, find your happiness and lean on the community. And when you're ready, you're ready. So yes. I, I guess that's another thing I'd like I'd like to ask you is if you if you could speak directly to anybody who's in a situation like that, what what would you tell them? I'm someone who is unsure of when to come out. Yeah. I would tell them, and I, I get this question a lot too, especially okay. on stream, because we have so many young viewers. Mm-hmm. I let them know, make sure that it, it's right for you, that you, you'll know when, when it's a good time to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it also depends on the situ- situation. This might be terrible advice. Um but I always tell people, okay, is are you ready to come out? You do you feel ready? And do you have a support system in case, you know, you do rely on the people around you for housing? Because I've known people, I kind of went through this too when I came out, where well, you'll be kicked out or you will lose wow. everyone that you love. Um, and so sometimes I tell people, depending on their situation, you know you have to wait until you are financially stable unless you are prepared to really face what you have to go through because of the uh, people not accepting or discriminating for who you are. Um, But mostly, mostly high level, I tell people, if you are ready to come out, come out. You'll Mm -hmm. know. You'll just know. For me, like when I was on the freeway with my mom and she was driving, I just knew like this is the perfect time. It just came to me like it dawned upon me. Kind of like an aha moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I also tell them, um, and I also tell people who don't need to come out, but know that a friend might be uh, mm-hmm. of the LGBTQI2S+. I always let them know, hey, don't pressure them. Just, you know, be very vocal. Let them know, you know what? I will always love you regardless yeah. of, of you know, who you are. I, I love you so much. Um, but don't be like, hey, I know that you're A, B, and C. Yeah. 
you know, I, I oh, can yeah. help you come out or whatever, whatever it is, you know, even though you, it's for them, it's, it's ignorance, but they mean well, they mean, they mean no ill will towards mm-hmm. doing that. And same with parents. Oh my God, I want to throw, you know, I want to surprise my son, daughter. Um, I want to surprise them with a coming out party, even though they don't know that. Oh, wow. That, you know, yeah. I've heard that happen. That's unbelievable. Too. Oh my yeah, gosh. It comes down to when the person is prepared to come out. No yeah. one around them should have any power when it comes to that, but mm-hmm. they should be vocal about them still, you know, being kind of vague about it yeah. or in a way where, where you just say, I will love you. Whoever you are, I, I will love you. Yeah. I support you and I'm here for you. It will never change the way that I feel about you. Yeah. It's what I, I that's, tell that's, people. That's great advice. Thanks for that. Uh, are you still pretty close with your family? I am. So, I mean, like coming out was was very, really rough. And I grew up in a very verbally and physically abusive household. So we kind of did estrange, especially when I moved to Vegas. But I want to say two or three years into Vegas is when I really rebuild those bridges with my parents. And I'm glad I did because mm-hmm. when when you go through a lot of abuse, you hold a lot of, a lot of I will even say hate and resentment. Mm-hmm and frustration and anxiety. Um, and you're just saying that in the back of your head and it weighs you down. You have, you have, it's venom, it's, it's poison in your blood. And so about two or three years into Vegas, I hadn't really spoken to my parents. Um, and then I just said, you know what, what if I invite them? I think it was for Thanksgiving, if I remember correctly. I really, you know, I'm ready to really speak to them again. I think they've seen how my life is going out here in Vegas, being who I am, for mm-hmm. them to accept who I am. Um, and so I invited them to Thanksgiving. And from there, we rebuilt our relationship. And I really love that. Because regardless, and it's a fortunate to say, at least for me, regardless of the pain your parents have put you through, the, uh, your parents are like your gods almost. Like mm-hmm. you live with them. They care for you. It's almost... And again, I'm saying this for me because it might sound offensive. It's like when you beat a dog, they'll still come back to you. That's a saying. I've never beat a dog. Um, But like you could, you could, the dog will always be so loyal to you. I feel like in a way, sometimes children are that way towards their parents too. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I've, I've seen that. Uh, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. There's somebody in my family who's like that, not my parents, but Mm -hmm. just they're, they're just rude verbally mentally abusive and uh yep they just get your hooks in you kind of thing right it's very destructive yeah going back to that it was mostly resentment based off their ignorance because they didn't know they were doing anything wrong and what i always tell people i'm not the lucky one they're lucky that i gave them the opportunity oh yeah and that i had the patience and resilience um because the way I like to think about it is they come from a generation where this was where, where being different is just not accepted and it's against the Bible and you're gonna go and burn in hell. Yeah. Um that's just you know how that's where they come from and that's how they were raised. And they were physically mm-hmm. abusive because their parents were probably, you know, physically abusing them as well when they were misbehaving. Mm-hmm. Um or the mental abuse too, the verbal abuse. Um And so I tried to understand in my mind, like, how can I forgive them? And how can I really have them come over to Thanksgiving so I can rebuild this relationship, really understand what they went through. And so that's the patience part. That's the empath part um, to really start rebuilding. Because if you're just angry, like you you really want to break that down. Why are you really angry? Right. 
this is how they were raised. This is the generation they're from. They're not woke like right now. Like mm-hmm. everyone's like woke now, especially with Twitter. Oh, um, big time. Yeah. And so, so that's what I had. But I always say I'm not the lucky one. They're the lucky ones for me. I really having that patience and resilience to really want to try again and understand why they were so hateful right? Um, towards my brother and I. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, that's a great story because uh, I think it's really important for people to hear stories like that to give, give everybody hope and some inspiration because I'm sure it's definitely gone the other way probably for many people in the community, right? So, yes. um, yeah, that's, that's really important. Um, well, I think, I think, uh, this is a, a dead by daylight focused podcast, so we should maybe talk about dvd for a minute here yes (laughs) dead by daylight how how did you get into it you've been into it almost like basically day one right no oh god no i wish i would die to have those legacy outfits yeah or to have donated to have my own shirt so um oh gosh um at the time i was working at pinnacle entertainment which is a casino company i hadn't worked at tesla yet Mm -hmm. um and so I started to get actually free time. I'm a huge workaholic, by the way, when I was in gaming. I've yeah. been a gamer my whole life, but then I took a break kind of when I moved to Vegas in the beginning. And so when I got this gig at Pinnacle, I kind of got some extra time. And I said to myself, I want to play a game. I have time to play a game, but I don't want to put a lot of time into it. Like something with matches that are maybe 15 to 30 minutes long, boom, done, mm-hmm. that'll satisfy me. Um, where I can play with other real people. I don't want to play yeah. in spots. So I'm a huge horror fan, and I went into Steam, and I started looking up for... Uh, I, lo- I started looking for games that were collaborative, but they were also very horror-influenced and just had, you know, those horror elements. Yeah. And uh, the first game, literally, that popped up was Dead by Daylight. And I'm like... And at the time, I was not impressed by the graphics. I was like, I'm a huge snob when it comes to graphics. And I'm like, <laughs> Same here. Mm, yeah. I don't know how I feel about this, but let's check it out. And so I got a little thorough. I literally do my research on everything. I'm not even joking. Okay. Um, I got super thorough and I looked at the killers and I'm like, wait, is that Leatherface? Hold up. Mm -hmm. Is that Michael Myers? This has some iconic killers. It had killers that I grew up with that I just loved the series of. Mm -hmm. um, And so I'm like, okay, let's try it. And that's where it began. I started playing uh, Dead by Daylight end of October of 2017. And it was the game that I first started streaming uh, early November of 2017. Oh, that's amazing. So what kept you coming back was like the, it, it does have a competitive aspect and I, I understand you're pretty competitive and yes. uh, you also like the horror stuff. Um, yes. What, what got me hor- back to, what, what pulled me back to it was I'm very competitive. I want to be the best in everything that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm like, you know, I just want to be good. I want to be great. Um, I want to be uh I want to be someone that's known for being well at this game. And I was a survivor. I mean, a lot of people don't know this, but the first year and a half that okay. I played it, I was a survivor mm-hmm. main. And yeah. so I got pretty good at survivor, but then I got bored. So then I started trying killer and I tried a couple of killers. I think Huntress first, then Trapper and then Hag. And I completely fell in love. And then I said to myself, literally when I started playing Hag, I'm going to strive to be the number one Hag in the world. And mm-hmm. here we are. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, like, and I, I think that people take that for granted a little bit, being the number one hag, because hag is not actually easy to use. I've tried hag, and hag's pretty tough. Like, 
You really, she, yeah, you, she's very tough. You have to be very familiar with playing Survivor to be a good hag. And I think that gave me an advantage from playing Survivor for about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to the original question of what also brings me back to it is, so the competitive aspect of it and just trying to better myself as a player within Dead by Daylight, but also the content, because they do such a great job at releasing content consistently. Yeah. Um, and so I love seeing all the new licensing. Oh, and Hellraiser, love that. Yeah. Oh, Hellraiser. What, what do you think? Do you think uh, Hellraiser will a- awaken any kinks within the community or maybe enhance it? Because he's got like leather chains and he's got a perk called Hex Play thing. <laughs> I absolutely think so. Um, but I do think it's also a common misconception that Hellraiser is very BDSM when it isn't. They're just, oh, really? You know, okay. Yeah. It's uh, um, Although I, d- I don't shame people who see it that way because everything's open for interpretation. Um if I remember correctly from the movies now, I did not read the books. It's they, they just want you to suffer as much as possible, but the person suffering doesn't want to suffer. Like they're right. Like, I think once you do become, you know, a minion or whatever the word is, mm-hmm. um, then you do enjoy, you enjoy going through the pain of what you, you look like. Cause if, if you really see these characters, they're they're They have to be in pain. They have to oh, be yeah. in pain. Um, yeah. But originally, like once you become a victim because you decided to open the lament configuration, I don't think anyone wants to go through that pain. Ooh. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, I was also going to comment that you're an absolutely terrific entertainer and you're great at Dead by Daylight. How do you pull that off while still being so interactive with your community? Honestly, I'm just me when I stream. I know my personality is a little bit magnified, mm-hmm. um, but I just, I just, since day one, since I started streaming, I'm like, I'm doing this for fun. I'm just going to be me. I'm not going to try to be someone that I'm not. And I've, that's the, the, the same thing that I do every time I hit that like button. Like, I just mm-hmm. want to be me. And I guess that's just who I am on Twitch yeah. and off of Twitch. Um, although I am, a, believe it or not, I am timid. I am shy. I'm very comfortable on camera because mm-hmm. I'm in the privacy of my own home. But um, it takes me a lot to be that entertaining in front of people if I don't know them. If I'm in a room with a lot of people I know and I mm-hmm. gel with and, you know, we've built relationships, I will be that person. But if I'm in a room full of strangers, I'm going to be very shy and it's going to take a lot for me to approach them and say, hey, I'm I'm yeah. Oscar or I'm Elix. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's amazing. What what do you think it is about Dead by Daylight that where there's such a strong presence of Dead by Daylight and the LGBTQIA2S plus community? Okay, I have two answers for this. And I've okay. never, and I get this question every single time I do a podcast or an interview, which is great. I mm-hmm. think I, I really can't speak for the community, but what yeah. I think, at least for me, is I've always loved horror. I love yeah. the emotions someone goes through. I love the competitive aspect of it. Um, but also mostly because um, I was very different growing up. My brother and I, we were very different. And I mentioned him a lot because we're literally like the same person and we grew up together and went through the same shit together but we loved gaming and we loved horror and so that's mostly at least for us being lgbtqia to us plus uh that's what drew us to the game my Mm -hmm. second answer might be a little controversial but yeah i think separating people 
by what they identify as. It's if we get really, you know, high level and look at the big picture, it's just an entertaining game. Yeah. So like straight people, gay people, whatever, whatever people, mm-hmm. um, it's just an entertaining game and people really want to play it and just have fun because it's a great game and it's not a huge investment and it has um, killers you can recognize along with survivors from maybe mm-hmm. a series or a movie you watched growing up or are currently watching. Regardless yeah. of your background, it's just a fun and entertaining game and I think that just pulls anyone in. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um, going back to your brother real quick. Um, I think I read in a previous interview, you said you watched like a lot of horror films. And, mm-hmm. Uh, I was curious if you could talk about the horror films you watched growing up and like some, maybe some of the video games you played with your brother growing up. Absolutely. So, um, some of our favorite movies, I think our all time favorite movie is night of the demons from, I believe came out September 9th of 1987 on our birthday. Oh, cool. Um, we were three when it came out. We saw it when we were like four or five, and it just became our favorite movie. We didn't know why, but now that I saw it recently again, and it's it was just such a diverse cast. It had everyone like, and originally the the script had a gay couple, uh, uh, but it was just too ahead of its time. And when they picked up the movie, they said, "No, we can't have a gay couple." But it was still very diverse. It had literally Asian people starring in it, Black people starring in it. Like it had everyone, and that's what I loved about the movie. But also, it was just so campy. And something I admire: our favorite type of movies were B horror movies, which this was one one of them. Like if you're familiar with Linnea Quigley, love her icon. Um, mm-hmm. She was a huge star in the B uh, horror movie. Uh, wave in the 1980s. Okay, and and so, um, but yeah, we, we love the camp about it. Um, and in regards to video games, uh, so we played a lot of Castlevania, a lot of Resident Evil. When the first one came out for the PlayStation One, holy shit, that yeah. really. And then and then Resident Evil Two came out, and then Parasite Eve came out, and that's like our favorite video game ever. It's just so creepy and horrific. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's our favorite movie, favorite B horror movie. Um, and some of our favorite, uh, games, especially Parasite Eve, which was really, really great. Other movies that I can remember from the eighties, well, probably, well, Carrie was the seventies. Right. Our parents never really gave us restrictions so we could literally see anything we wanted growing up and we didn't really understand what they were saying a lot of stuff at the time didn't have subtitles what did not have was not dubbed in spanish and we did not speak english Mm -hmm. um but we also loved uh alien aliens um there were just and of course a nightmare on elm street our favorites were one three and then a new nightmare that came out i believe in the early 90s Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what else? Halloween, Friday the 13th. Nice. Oh, Phantasm. God, I love Phantasm. Oh, that's a, the, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. Hellraiser. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the puppet master. Oh God. The puppet master scared the <laughs> shit out of us. Oh um, yeah. Child's play. And there's another one I can't, I had others on my tongue, but it's gone. But yeah, we are very well versed in our, in our eighties horror and early nineties. That's amazing. Yeah, I I grew up with uh, one of my aunties and one of my uncles. They were really into horror films. So when we, when they'd babysit for us, they'd show us Nightmare on Elm Street and Oh, I love that Halloween, Friday the Thirteenth, and we'd go home and have nightmares. And our parents would be like, "What? What happened? What's wrong?" <laughs> oh, you know, we just watch this scary movie with Freddy yeah. Krueger slashing people up. 
I don't know what it was about my brother and I, but we just loved, loved. And so like something my uncles, when we lived in Mexico, used to tell us, hey, you want us to put one of the horror movies in? Um, But the way we said it is cabeza con sangre, which means head with blood. Because usually Mm -hmm. when people get hit in the head or, you know, Jason hits you in the head, you're bleeding everywhere. So the proper way to say in Spanish was cabeza con sangre, but we would, we couldn't really speak because we were like three or four and we'd be like cabeza con sangre. And it was just so cute. And that's what we were known as. And so whenever we went to visit our uncle or aunt, they would put a horror movie in for us. And so that was really cute. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I, I just have, I think maybe just one or two more questions and we can wrap it up. Um, one of the things I really appreciate about your streams is just in addition to how entertaining it is, it's just, you have so many like catchphrases and playful <sighs> insults like esports and calling people Kims and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Do, do you have any origin stories behind any, any of those I celebration really... phrases? So my entire life, I've always come up with little sayings and people love them and they just catch on to them. So with esports, I just thought it honestly originated from one of the worst plays ever that I've ever done. And it just popped in my mind. Oh, that was esports because it's satiric. It's, um, it's, uh, it's. It's an exaggeration because it wasn't a good play, but I'm still saying esports because it was so terrible. <laughs> but now when I do good plays, I say esports, but it originated from doing a very silly play. I think I dropped a pallet and I stunned the killer and I accidentally slow vaulted onto the pallet and climbed it and he picked me up and hooked me and I died and I said, he's bored. (laughs) Um, Kim's, okay, so Kim's, we have a clip of that in my chat. Mm -hmm. Um, It originated from Housewives of Beverly Hills. And so a friend of mine on Twitter created this amazing video that went super viral. He used to work at Bravo. Uh, They were all in Amsterdam, Beverly Hills Housewives, and they were just fighting. They were out at a restaurant and they started to fight. Um, Kim Richard's sister, wait, yeah, Kim. Kim was fighting with everyone, but he did it in ASMR. So he took all the audio out and Mm -hmm. he whispered everything they said. And so... um, Vanderpump, because Kim was like, no one defends me. You know, she defends me and you don't, and you're my sister. And then, and then Vanderpump says, she does defend you, Kim. She does defend <laughs> you. And that just, I started saying that. And my sister Angel started saying that too, who also streams yeah. on uh, Twitch. And then it turned into where we started calling people Kims. Um, mm-hmm. It just mutates into so many versions of Kim. It's so weird. But it started as, you know, she does defend you, Kim. She does defend you. Or he's going <laughs> to kill you, Kim. He's going to kill you to the point where it's just Kim. And now we just call people Kims. And it's a great thing. I think it's so funny and oh, stupid. And I love people, seeing that. <laughs> yeah, people just say that. And regardless of your gender, like, we call you Kim. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I love about it. You'll be Kim like, Kim is non binary. Okay. (laughs) You'll spin a doctor. You'll be like, good try, Kim. It's it's the funniest thing. You tried it, Kim. I I noted, uh, I just wrote this, scribbled this note down. I was watching one of your recent YouTube videos. And I think it was a David. 
um, he messed up or something. And you said, this is what you get for having ramen on your head. You look like Justin Timberlake. I didn't even think that was funny, but people loved it. Yes, because I think his hair was bleached and it was a little weird, right? Yeah, it looked like old school Justin Timberlake. Yeah, that's what it's in sync, (laughs) Justin Timberlake. And it took me back to, that looks like ramen had Justin Timberlake. Yeah, And then my editor put it on the YouTube video and actually put a cropped picture of Justin Timberlake back in the NSYNC days when he had the ramen hair and then everyone got the ramen here and it was just that's all i saw in high school yeah and it just took me back to that and i had to call it out <laughs> that was funny um well i i guess we can probably start to wrap things up here mm-hmm. uh, i want to be cognizant of the time and everything but i wanted to give you an opportunity to tell people where they can find you like all your twitter tiktok youtube a- a- anything else you want to plug and i can of course put links in the in the show notes yes okay so um let's start with my main platform which is twitch um if you all do love horror you love um you love silliness you love chaos you love drinking um twitch is a great way to find me if you also want advice on becoming a better killer or survivor i also offer that if you speak spanish and you speak to me in spanish in my chat i will respond to you in spanish we do have an english spanish um stream so you can find me on twitch at twitch.tv slash elix um if you like oh we also do drag we do drag every friday on my channel so if you like the art of drag you can check us out playing on Twitch in full drag on Fridays. That's twitch.tv slash Elix. Um, if you want to look at all my drag looks, I post them on Instagram and I'm Elix underscore nine on Instagram. Um, if you don't have time to invest to watch a whole VOD on Twitch or watch me live, um, YouTube and TikTok are for you. TikTok, I have uh, one to five, one to two minute clips. So my TikTok is Elix TTV. Um, we have a great community there. We have 120,000 followers and we post funny clips. So that's a great thing to pass the time if you're on lunch at work and just don't have the time to dedicate uh, to Twitch. Uh, YouTube's also consisting of 8 to 12 minute long videos, which is the same as TikTok with the handle ElixTTV. And if you want constant, constant updates from me and want to have a good laugh because I meme a lot, Twitter. Twitter, oh, yeah. I am... Elix underscore nine. And I have to make a correction. My Instagram is not Elix underscore nine. It's just Elix, the number nine. Okay. Um, and Twitter is Elix underscore nine. And that's all okay. my social media platforms. That's great. Yeah. I <laughs> highly recommend. Me. I, I re- recommend all of the above. Like I think in your Twitter earlier today, you posted a picture of a kid morphing into like a cockroach or something like that. Yeah. And I really uh, wanted to make a joke out of that, but I'm like, this is going to come off as racist because the person's name is Marco and they look Hispanic and they turn right. into a roach. And usually you don't want to call people of color a roach because that, right. I mean, I would be offended. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm like, you know what? I just, what was the caption? What? what was oh, it? I can't remember. I Let think me it was check. just what? Like, I think I just put, oh no, I put why, but I just oh, yeah, thought why? it was so funny. They chose a Hispanic person on the cover of the, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, mm-hmm. the Animorphs book series from back in the day. Yeah. The covers have the person anamorphing into a certain type of animal. This Hispanic <laughs> boy is anamorphing into a cockroach. <laughs> it's such and a I'm weird just, choice. It's I'm like, that's interesting. But you know what? Woke people did not exist back then. No, definitely <laughs> not. And it and the, and the book says Marco must make the ultimate sacrifice. 
<laughs> turn into a roach and crawl under a fridge. And I only okay. know that because I grew up with roaches and they all like warm spots like underneath the fridge and underneath the microwave. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, Elix, thank you so much for doing this. I, I really, really appreciate it. I think that uh, anybody listening will will be thoroughly entertained. And um, I, I love you so much. You're You're an incredible person. Thank you so much for just being such a positive presence within uh, the Dead by Daylight community. Um, I just, I, and, and just being my friend as well. Um, mm-hmm. And thank you so much for having me. Yeah, for sure. Doors always open. If you ever want to come back, we'll Absolutely. be here. Thank you. Bye, All everyone. Right. Thanks for listening, everybody.